and I guess we're live. I'm pretty sure. Should I do a live check, guys? The famous uh, Lowry Six live check. So the last comment was from Mike Johnson. He says, I've been to a coffee shop before that looks similar. So there you go. There's your live check today. I want to say, uh, I almost said thank you so much, Lowry I'll catch you on the next one. That would be a very quick video. I want to say, hey, Law winners, it's Lowry Six here with another stream. Um, today's going to be really chilled out, relaxed. I've been incredibly busy with a ton of stuff I'm working on right now, but I'm super happy to say that early January, you guys can expect something super cool and special. Um, I think that you guys will enjoy it if you have uh, been around me and Winston for long enough. If, if you've followed our trials and tribulations long enough, I think you'll very much enjoy uh, a very fun take on life coming early January. Just got back today, um, like literally in the nick of time for this, that uh, I was super worried that I wasn't going to make it on time, but I literally like pulled in right at the perfect time. Okay. Um, everyone's saying there's something wrong with my audio. Is it shocking? Is it really that bad? Really choppy audio. Audio is poop. Audio is poop. Interesting. Um, audio is choppy. Okay, I actually got a real person that cares. Let me see if I can sort that out, guys. Audio is choppy. Let me see where the game's at. Why is there a voice changer? Okay, can you guys give me an audio check now? Audio check me. Check me out, dogs. How is it now? It's fine now. It's fine, it's fine. Much better. Sorted. Yes, fixed. Yes! All right, we're in. <laughs> Woo! That probably hurt your ears. I apologize uh, to headphone users. Do you know what I did? The fix? I actually didn't touch the mic. What I did was um, I just closed OBS and opened it up again. And I hate to say this, but sometimes that's all I need to do. Hey, Law Winners, it's a Lowdy Six here with another stream. And now I have to do another live check. Um, Caroline Dazley says, got it. Cool. I want to say thanks to uh, my new mod that is in the chat. If you get shadow banned by him, I trust his judgment, and you deserved it. And... Um, Otherwise, this is going to be a very chilled out stream. Got a lot of stuff on the cards, huge projects coming at you. Early January, like I said previously, uh, something huge coming from me and Winston, so stay tuned for that. We just got back literally two seconds ago um, from pulling off something from that project, and it's awesome. I am in such a good mood today because of it. I can't believe we pulled it off, and I can't wait to share it with you guys. Uh, I am about... 80% done with the first episode of this new project. Um, it's going to be about 35 minutes long per episode. And it's taken me ages to edit, but I'm starting to get in the flow of things. I'm starting to get a hang, uh, the hang of how this editing procedure is going to work for this, this new project. So anyway, I hope you guys are super, super pumped. Um, 
And I can't tell you, unfortunately. I can't tell you because it is a super secret project. Um, but as the time gets closer, there's definitely going to be some teasers dropped on my channel, Winston's channel, and ADV China for sure. Uh, tomorrow, and don't forget, we're going to do the stories. Chill out, Bradofu. Chill out. Um, tomorrow's the podcast. Don't forget, uh, every, or every other Thursday, ADV podcast. If you guys haven't subscribed to that, please do. Otherwise, um, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about this huge misconception that people have uh, about dating in China or dating Chinese girls. Or not only that, it's like the kind of situation that I was in. So I want to give like a really big disclaimer here. Sorry. My voice is cracking. I'm starting to hit puberty again. Um, okay, disclaimer. Vivi was the first Chinese girl that I dated, okay, in China. A lot of people think, wow, 10 years in China, you married the first girl that you met, right? It's not so simple. It's not so simple. Although I did marry the first girl that I dated, uh, both of us didn't see each other for, for a long time. Uh, I want to say it was a long-distance relationship, but it kind of wasn't. Like, the first year we were together, it wasn't like a, a massively serious thing. Uh, everyone knew that I was going to probably check out another place. I ended up going to Taiwan. Uh, we stayed in touch. She came to visit. I went to visit. Like, we still hung out. But it wasn't like a super committed, amazing, serious relationship. There was, you know, there was just, that wasn't on the cards at the time. So um, we eventually ended up together after maybe like seven years in China, like ended up permanently together, getting married and, you know, properly falling in love. Um, but yeah, that didn't happen for a while, you know, and I think that's, that's really normal. It's, it's really natural. I think a lot of people rush into relationships and they end up getting hurt, uh, either the girl or the dude or whatever the scenario is. Gotta, gotta be PC here, right? Um, I think a lot of people end up getting hurt and they end up regretting a lot of their, their decisions because they didn't properly think it out. They didn't actually, you know, play the field, so to speak. Now, I'm not advocating for being a promiscuous man or woman. What I'm advocating for is that I think getting to know a lot of different people and not just jumping the gun and being like, yes, I knew at first sight when I, our eyes met and we just, oh my gosh, my heart was fluttering and it was just so amazing. It was magical. I think a lot of people get into that scenario and then two weeks, three weeks later, that wears off. And I'm not calling out anyone here, but I get so many emails, especially on Patreon, which is awesome. And I really appreciate it. But this is a, let this be a, like a public warning to a lot of people out there. The majority of my emails, the majority of my Patreon messages are people that are asking for serious help because they ended up in a relationship and it's usually from someone from another culture and specifically from China and they fell in love with this person and then fast forward three or four months later and they realize that they can't even communicate with that person. They either ended up with someone that doesn't speak English or they don't speak Chinese. And in the beginning, the beautiful exoticism of the whole thing, the amazing feeling of, wow, I can't believe I'm in this different place, but we just managed to understand each other even though we don't speak the same language. It's almost this movie Hollywood portrayed uh, 
experience of what they think it should be like, and then eventually they just find out the truth. At the end of the day, if you can't communicate with someone, all that beautiful stuff in the past where like you can hold hands and look at each other and fall in love every single minute and you're so excited to see them, you look at their pictures on your, on your phone, all that stuff doesn't matter anymore when you need to figure out like what to cook for dinner or you need to figure out who's going to buy toilet paper or you need to figure out who's going to clean the kitchen tonight. That stuff is actually the day-to-day stuff. And again, like I don't want to discount the fact that you can make something work out of something very inconvenient, but that is my disclaimer. That is my warning to people is that every single time I get an email from these people that have problems, it's because of communication issues. And it's not so much cultural, that's a whole different barrier. And that's stuff that I'll talk about in my stories today. But at the end of the day, the communication is just so freaking important because if you can't actually express how you feel, the first emotion is like confusion and like, holy crap, how do, how do I tell her this? Or how do I tell him this? The second emotion is just frustration and anger. And that boils over so much more violently and quicker than somebody you can actually sit down and talk to about your feelings and emotions and whatever. So my warning is to really, really be careful about dating or getting in a relationship with someone that you can't properly communicate with. Trust me on this, it's it's exotic and fun, but it is not something that you wanna get into. Uh, I will be doing Q&A by the way, so don't be be scared to throw your questions in here, I'll scroll through. Now, let me get into what kind of, especially my first experiences. When I was in the US, I never had a specific attraction to any sort of country's people, if that makes sense. Um, I grew up in a small town. It was just white people, pretty much. Um, A lot of black people, too, but like predominantly just white people everywhere. So the people I naturally were around and attracted to were white girls. That's just, that's, that's who I dated. And thankfully, I had, I had good role models in my life. Like my mom and dad were really cool. They never, They never let me like (laughs) sleep around, but they definitely were okay with the fact that I could date a person and then move on and it doesn't work out, move on. And that that was the whole learning process. So I was, I was lucky to to be in a situation where that wasn't demonized because a lot of my friends, especially like I grew up in a really religious household, but like a lot of my friends who also grew up in religious households, their mom would be, or mom, especially mom, but mom and dad would be very vehement and be like, don't get in a relationship unless you know you're serious. Whereas my situation was more like, go ahead, like play the field, it's fine. You know, you'll find someone you like eventually. And I think that they knew that that saved a lot of heartbreak uh, for the future. And I seriously, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so happy that they were never, you know, like punishing me for, for dating around because that really led me to a much more mature decision on my relationship and, and how to like figure out who's good for you, right? It's not a selfish thing. It's like how to find someone compatible, not someone that you like absolutely head over heels love, right? Vivi, and my other disclaimer is Vivi, my current wife, this is a joke for ADD China people. Uh, If you watched our episode about, um, I think it was like Vietnamese people having more fun. Somebody said their current wife and the comment section went wild. But anyway, uh, Vivi, my wife, my first wife and my current wife, um, we have a very, very good level of communication. Like we talk about everything together. She's my best friend. Um, 
and I'm of the opinion, I think I would go mentally insane if I didn't marry my best friend. I, we have to get along. We have to be able to talk about everything. We can't have cold grudges and stuff like that. So we talk about exes. We talk about relationships. She loves it. She eats it up. And we both do. It's, it's fun. It's our past, right? We already decided who we're going to be with. And a lot of people um, in the comment section, a lot of people around me, I think they just don't quite understand that because they're either with somebody that is very vindictive and very jealous or they just don't have that level of communication with their, their spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend. So we, we talk about everything. So the stuff I'm going to talk about today, Vivi's heard years ago and it doesn't matter. Okay. She's going to watch this and laugh just like she always does. And I always laugh about her exes, which I won't go into because it's not my place to talk about, but I can talk about some, some of the experiences I had. So when I first got to China, I wasn't immediately attracted to the idea of getting into a relationship, uh, especially with somebody that I couldn't really communicate with. Never had this like unexplained attraction to, to Asian people, if that makes sense. I was more into the idea of like, I want someone to hang out and chill with, and this is kind of hard to do when I don't speak Chinese. Um, so immediately I started learning Chinese, but it took, it took ages, you know, like I was at a communicative level of Chinese, maybe about after a year, but like I say communicative, like I couldn't talk about like medical malpractice or something or like legal statutes. I could talk about like my likes and dislikes and you know, where I went and what my hobbies were and things like that. Um, but after two or three years, I started to get to a level where I could really have conversations or really get to know people. So I tried some dating. Um, I dated people. This is well before dating apps and to, you know internet dating sites and stuff in China. So that was that was totally off the cards. But when I first got there, um, I did what any normal young 22-year-old man does, and I used to go to bars and clubs. And I know that that attracts a certain type of people in my home country, but you could meet just everyday people, people you know from school, people you know you go to college with and stuff. So that was a normal kind of place for me to meet people. Little did I know in China, like that's especially at that time, that's where bad people went, right? And I had no impression of what a bad person was or what a bad scene was or what people I should should or shouldn't be associating with. But oftentimes, like my colleagues or people I knew, friends, they would you know, get to know a girl and maybe she'd come hang out after the club at the apartment and they wouldn't leave. They would just stay there. They'd be like, you have a computer? And they'd stay there and play like Farmville or whatever the hell games were around back then. Keep in mind, this is before Facebook was banned. Um, and they would just sit there and basically squat until they'd have to like call our boss to like get him kicked out. And then you realize quickly that these kind of people are just like, they're from the countryside, but they didn't have a job and they're just hanging out at clubs to meet people and like a foreigner invites them home and they're suddenly eating out of the fridge and like playing on their computer for three days. Uh, it's not so much like that anymore at all. That was back when China was quite a bit poor. But uh, um, if you guys are super OG fans of Lao 86, and I'm talking about like super, super OG uh, I told the story about the club girl. Now, this is like really within the immediate uh, arrival of, of me in China. Now, what happened was um, when I first got there, I actually was lucky because I was I was uh, getting paid a very minute salary. I'm talking like, dude, I was making like six, seven hundred bucks a month. But I got paid during the Chinese New Year break. And that's when I first arrived. So here I am with all this free time to explore and figure things out. But I don't speak Chinese. And everyone goes goes to travel. And this is what happens with foreigners in China. 
They go to China, and then when it comes to like a big holiday like Chinese New Year, where everyone's traveling around the country, the last thing they want to do is travel around China because it's so crazy. There's literally look at the crowd behind me; like it's ten times worse than that. You can't get a train ticket, you can't get a bus ticket because it's just so busy. Everyone's trying to go to their hometowns. Most people are like migrant workers and stuff, especially in Guangdong where I lived. Now, when I was、uh, when I was there, I was alone. I didn't have any foreign friends to hang out with. So I went to、uh, the club, and this is keep in mind this is like around. Actually, this is real New Year's, but we're still on break for Chinese New Year, like coming up. So it's real New Year's, like I say, real as in, <laughs> as in like the the New Year's that people observe worldwide.、Um, and there's a huge club celebration. This is a little bit before everyone's going back to their hometowns, but everyone in my、uh, in my school had gone off to travel. So I go to this club. And it's crazy. I mean, they're playing Russian techno, and it's freaking lightsabers everywhere, and there's balloons, and man, that like the music was horrific. But there was some energy in the air where no one was ashamed. Everyone's just going ape, and there's this pulsating like pneumatic, freaking、uh, dance floor. It's nuts. And、uh, I was getting on there, and I was trying to like. You know, mill around and talk to people, and people were like, invite me over their tables, and here's a free beer, you know, like drink, drink with me, chug it down, you know, and like, like, yeah, look at the foreigner go. It's just great, like,、uh, what's it called, honeymoon period moments of like my first couple weeks in China, and、um, I remember I would go around to the tables, and like people would give me fruit and drinks and stuff, and we're just getting wasted, and I go back up on the dance floor, and there's this girl, and、uh, I'm dancing with her. And she's kind of shy. She's really cute, and we're having a good time. But we we haven't said anything, you know. She's she keeps like pulling my head down. She's super short. She's like yelling stuff in my ear, and、um, I have no idea what she's saying. Right. So she was like trying to grab my phone, and this is like ancient dinosaur phone stuff. And I was like, whoa, 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 you know. But actually, she was just trying to type stuff to me, and I couldn't read the characters, you know. So we're talking, we're trying to talk, but we're trying to dance and stuff. And、uh, all of a sudden, all the Chinese people around me see that there's a foreigner on the dance floor, and they kind of push me into the middle with her, and we're dancing like for a crowd of I don't know thirty, forty, fifty people, and the whole huge club around us is watching us too. And I mean, I'm like I'm a shit dancer, right? I'm terrible. But <laughs> she.、Uh, She kind of like locked eyes with me, and I didn't know why I did this. I, it was obviously the booze or whatever. But the beat dropped on this shit like Tetris remix, whatever Russian techno crap that was going on there. And I grabbed her and I threw her into the air like a, I don't know, like like some sort of sack of potatoes or something. I just chucked her in the air and I caught her, and I put her back on the ground and she just looked shocked and like everyone was silent. But the music starts going ape, and everyone starts cheering. There's lightsabers going all over the place. It's like freaking Star Wars in there. Smoke, smoke machine goes off, and、uh, and she kisses me in public, and that was like nuts. It was crazy. She just like wrapped her arms around my neck and just kisses me. And like I, at that moment, I was like, dude, this this place is crazy. Like everyone told me that nobody does this kind of stuff, and here we go. Everyone's cheering me on. I'm like this nobody white kid from upstate New York, and I'm just loving it, dude. Like it's it was the first time I felt like, dude, this there's something happening in this country where everyone doesn't have a stick up their ass, and like they just want to hang out, and it's really really cool.、Um, 
so anyway, long story short, she adds her phone phone number into my phone and her, her name. Her name is Ren Na, I remember. And uh, my I went back to the club, like a co- I think it was like a couple weeks after the break. And uh, I was going to hang out with her, but somebody pickpocketed my phone in the club. Maybe she was playing the long game. Anyway, you know what's funny? Is like after I got married... I took my friends to the club uh, that were visiting me. They wanted to see what like a crap, crap hole Chinese club was. So I took them to the old haunts. And she was actually there. She was married as well with her husband. And uh, she said hi. And it was super weird. But it was like after so many years. But anyway, that's not a dating story. That was just my first experience of being like a little bit apprehensive about this whole thing. But I don't know. I was kind of dipping my toes in the water. And it was kind of like, you know what? There might be something to this. Everyone seems really easygoing and cool. I kind of had this idea, like, it's different than in the U.S., like, dating a girl of another race, nobody cares about that in the U.S., but, like, if you do it in China, then all of a sudden there's this weird stigma, right? You're this foreigner, and you're stealing the women, and that's something I found out later, but um, in the beginning, I yeah, I didn't do too much of that, you know, I, I went on a few dates, but most of, more often than not, what would happen is my uh, people I worked with. So I worked at like three different places. I worked at my original contract and I did some side work for places. Totally illegal. Um, but that's just what people did. And usually when I had some sort of assistant, so every time you work in like Asia, you'll have like a teaching assistant. Um, what would happen is that that person would spend a lot of time with you because they're tasked with keeping an eye on you, making sure everything's okay, uh, making sure the kids are not going ape. And also translating if anything happens. But technically, they're all like on duty out of the classroom as well. So like if you have a problem, you can call them up and stuff. And I never really took advantage of that because I wanted to take care of stuff myself. You know, like (laughs) big boy over here. Um, But more often than not, what would happen is that these girls had never been in a romantic experience before because they come from the countryside. So they're inherently much more traditional than girls that you find in the city. They usually come from out of province, so they're pretty lonely. And then they're spending a lot of time with a man, which works in a professional setting. But because you're spending so much time together, it's not something that would normally happen in Chinese society where they come from. So there is some sort of weird attachment that happens there. And I was never keen on ever like being in a relationship with somebody I was working with. That was something that was like way off limits for me. I think it's my whole Western mentality, you know, don't shit where you eat. Um, but you know, there were times where like you work with someone and then the contract's over and you move on to something else. And then, you know, you, that person's still in your life. You're still, you enjoyed spending time with them. So you're still hanging out and that happened a couple times. So there was a girl I dated. <laughs> oh boy. She was, uh, she was from the interior of China. I don't know what it is. I literally don't know what it is, but every time a girl hit on me, which didn't happen often. Like Chinese girls are pretty reserved, right? Every time a girl overtly hit on me, they were from Hubei province. And I literally don't know why. I wasn't in Hubei. I was in Guangdong province. So (laughs) she was my teaching assistant for a short period of time. She was filling in for someone else. And then we split ways. Got a hold of each other a little while later. Of all things, of all reasons, because actually I had left my jacket, because the weather was getting hot, I left the jacket in the, uh, a jacket kind of like this, I left it in the classroom, and she had held on to it after all this time, and I have a feeling it was for the explicit reason of getting a hold of me again. 
And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a couple beers or whatever. But like we had spent a couple months together, you know, at work and stuff. Uh, I hadn't seen her in a little while. And then I was like, why don't you come over and drop it off? I, of all things, I was watching, I, remember, I still remember this for some reason, I was watching Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, which is the best Star Wars, by the way, all of you haters can shut up, uh, Empire Strikes Back is obviously the best movie out of all Star Wars, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, but anyway, I was watching that on my laptop when she showed up, and uh, I kind of, literally kind of expected her just to drop it off, but she came in, and we hung out, and uh, we ended up dating for a while, which I thought was a little bit weird because, like, it just kind of happened. It wasn't, like, a romantic thing. We were in a relationship for a few months at least. But um, she invited me over one time. And <laughs> I was kind of nervous because inviting someone over doesn't mean that you're going to go to their apartment. Because she didn't have an apartment. She lived with her parents. Her parents had moved to Guangdong, right? Um I don't even know if I should get into this. <laughs> Long story short, uh, this person's parents had interesting connections. And I found things around the abode. I found things around, around the house that uh, indicated this. And she also told me that that was the case. And she also told me that if we were caught, her dad would kill me. Yet, it was totally fine, because there's no way he's going to come home. What? I mean, like, literally, I don't want to be a, I don't want to sound like a little, little beta here or anything, but, I mean, when you're in a foreign country and somebody is involved in criminal activity, and then there's a chance that they could find you and kill you, because he wouldn't approve of such a thing, even though there's small chances of that happening, you're not gonna, you're not gonna want to be in that scenario, if you know what I mean. But I stayed in that scenario for a little while, actually. Uh, we ended up parting ways. I moved to Taiwan, and this is kind of interesting. Um, I was taking a chill pill. I was actually talking to, I was talking to Vivi again for a while, and we were still like super good friends. Um, and we would talk all the time. Like we we're, I don't know. I wasn't like, I wasn't in love yet, but like we were, we were still really chill with each other. But in the beginning of Taiwan, like I had no intentions of, of being in a relationship. But what I found, I can sum up the experience of the, the girls that I met in Taiwan, um, were much less apt to lose their mind at minor stuff. If that makes sense. The girls that I met in Taiwan were so much more like, level-headed i'm sure there's lots of level-headed girls mainland china but like so much more relaxed about things like obviously if you cheated on them or something they're gonna lose their mind but like anyone should um but at the end of the day they were like very much like if this relationship's not what you want this or this relationship is not what i want i don't think we're like a, a good match like that's it was kind of amicable it wasn't like this crazy like i'm gonna cut up your clothes and kill you now, at the same time, my friend was uh, dating a girl, when I moved to Taiwan, was dating a girl in uh, mainland China. She found a contact or a text message on his phone. This is before like WeChat or anything like this. From his teaching assistant. It wasn't flirty. 
it wasn't even remotely promiscuous or insinuating anything, but she was talking about the the lesson plan or something, and she forbade him from talking about or talking to his teaching assistant outside of the office. Uh, but of course, she has his number, so she was sending him messages, and he wasn't replying and stuff. And she found these messages, and I kid you not, when he was out of the apartment with his friends or doing whatever, like going to buy stuff, she took all of his clothing literally all of his clothing and cut it into tiny pieces and then simultaneously like prepared batches of it in the sink to pour lighter fluid on and burn she legitimately did this this is legitimately what she did then she like went around telling everyone that he was some sort of scumbag cheater horrible man blah blah and i was like you tell me about this on skype and i'm like in taiwan i'm like holy crap like i'm lucky not to be in that scenario i feel like there there should have been warning signs and there probably was so john if you're out there i hope things are okay now we haven't talked in a long time but um yeah like more often than not that kind of stuff did did happen i think there's this inherent problem um there's this issue that Promiscuity, like amongst marriage, married people in China, is definitely quite high, especially if you have money. Like, if you have money and you're a Chinese man and you're not cheating on your wife with like going out to business meetings and KTVs and all this kind of stuff, then you're probably in like the below 50% minority. You're like, you're the good guy. Because that kind of activity is expected. It's kind of like a trust building exercise that, that Chinese people do. And I'm not saying this, this happens with the younger generation, but definitely amongst like my generation and older. Uh, I'm talking about like 30 up to you know 60. If you're a wealthy Chinese man, then you're kind of expected to do this kind of stuff because that's how business deals go down. So that kind of mistrust, that kind of distrust, inherent distrust is like at the core. And I think that really eats away because like if you think about it, it's really wrong right, to, to cheat on someone, to, to have sex with someone that's not your spouse if you're in a committed relationship, especially if that's not been agreed upon by the other person. But it's almost expected. So I feel like it's expected, but it's not, it's not liked. Of course, no one's going to like that happening. So what happens is there's this like deep-seated mistrust. And like when they get into a relationship, they've heard all these rumors that foreigners, like especially Westerners, are going to cheat on them. They're going to be open like in Hollywood movies. And I think that really boils boils something inside that makes them inherently mistrust people and like kind of lose their minds sometimes. Um, and that's something I saw multiple, multiple times. Um, a lot of the, you know, the stories that I have are people that I know. Um, oftentimes, I'm going to say I dated a lot of people and a lot of the people that I met, I could see like pretty close to the beginning that this is not going to end well. And I better cut this cut ties right now. I better not get into a deep relationship with this person because mentally it's not it's probably not gonna be good. They'll probably be good for a person that's like of the same mental maturity, but this person is not on the same level of mental maturity, not willing to kind of get to know me, is way too distrusting and doesn't want to pursue this further, doesn't actually want to know who I am. They just want to be in a relationship and feel safe. Um, just for a relationship's sake. Um, but yeah, like more often than not, I would hear stories of people getting involved with a girl that has never been in a relationship before and their first dates are just so awkward because what happens is they're acting like maybe you did as a Westerner in second grade when you finally like 
touch a girl's hand or like kiss a girl kisses you on the cheek in the tire swing or something. It's that level of emotional maturity. So that all this crazy excitement and like all this like passion and like uh, what's it called like um, not knowing what's gonna happen next and oh my gosh he's the perfect one for me. All of this in in their mind is like leading to potential marriage and like we're gonna be together. I feel safe with him. Everything's gonna be okay. So a lot of those relationships ended up in pure disaster absolute disaster um sometimes often you know the westerner the the foreigner has to move to a different city just to avoid this conflict because like it got that crazy um especially in the older generation like people like my age more more often than not if they grew up in the the rural part of china um if they had dated someone and someone finds out about that then they they think that they're not marriage material now and that's quickly changing absolutely changing very quickly but yeah, like they'll feel like they're not marriage material and they're going to miss out on like potential future husbands because they got involved with a with a foreigner. Number one, that makes that way worse, but they got involved with someone before marriage. Um, so it makes their inherent value lower, which is like such a shame because it, I don't know. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. It's not fair. Um, the one outlier to this whole like immaturity thing would be this girl I dated in Inner Mongolia. Um, I dated an Inner Mongolian girl and she was uh, introduced to me by a friend who brought her to one of our just normal hangouts. We used to go to karaoke and just like hang out and like uh, go get dinner before or afterwards and have some beers. And he brought uh, this girl that he was interested in that he knew since like childhood or something. And she brought her friend just to accompany her. And she was, she was gorgeous. Like she was this tall Mongolian girl. And she was actually Mongolian, like eth ethnically Mongolian. Very tall, thin, um, and she was actually a, a teacher and also, not an English teacher though, she was like a teacher, I can't remember what subject it was, but she also worked as a like a car model and she was so tall so she could wear the, the clothes that they required. And she would model for BMW, Mercedes and all this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, she was, she was the polar opposite of most Chinese girls I met. She wasn't, subdued she wasn't like quiet she didn't like let things boil up she was just really fierce all the time like if she didn't like something she would tell you and i was like this is interesting very very different even though she was chinese spoke chinese as her first language um she was very different in the way she acted she was very like mature about certain things but very uneducated about certain things as well but at the same time like we we only spoke chinese with each other but she was like very much on a level of like, I'm, I'm worth something. I have inherent worth and my opinion matters and I'm going to tell you. And it was like such a different experience. It was crazy um, dating her. We were together for quite a while. We honestly, at the end of the day, couldn't be together for that very reason because like we just disagreed on so many things and that was actually a really positive experience because it wasn't this thing that like boiled up over time and be like i hate you rah! you know it was like just grievances throughout the day it was just things we didn't didn't see eye to eye on different hobbies different friends different like passions in life different interests and that was like that was the first time i realized that like different cultures definitely have different attributes Big time because I had only been around Han people the entire time, so that was that was pretty interesting. Um, and then yeah, I ended up with my my wife, um, 
And the reason we ended up together is because we were together for so long. Like we we talked to each other for so, so many years and got to actually know who we were, like all faults and foibles. There was no hidden secrets. There was no like putting on, getting on ceremony and being like, this is, you know, like pretending to be your super cool or like I'm so rich or I have this or I, you know, like hiding certain things like uh, deficiencies about yourself. There was none of that. Um, it was always just really casual and nice to be around each other. And we always laughed. That was the most important thing is we actually told each other jokes and could laugh at each other and make fun of each other. And nobody got butt hurt. Nobody got upset. It was always just, it was awesome. It was just friendship. It was friendship with love. And I feel like this whole idea of locking eyes with someone that you'll be together with forever is, at least in my case, anecdotally, and from what I've seen with other people, it's just not, it's not true. If you want real satisfaction in life, you've got to be with someone you're friends with. And I know that men and women oftentimes cannot be in, how to say, like really close friendships because there are so many differences uh, with the way that people deal with things. But this is my very old school boomer way of thinking. But um, if you find someone that is just so much on your level and so fun to be around that you really love being around and you just want to hang out with and you can just be dirty around you don't have to like you know do your hair perfectly every time and put on makeup every time that's the person you want to be with because that's the kind of person that's going to tell you today's your turn to clean the kitchen today's your turn to change the diapers you know that's the kind of stuff you got to look out for that's what a long-term relationship is so through all like my foibles and i've said foibles a lot in this episode, I apologize. Through all my um, misfortune and fortune and experiences um, in dating in America and in China and wherever in the world, actually I only dated in, oh, in Taiwan. Taiwan is its own country, don't forget. Um, Throughout all my experiences, it just taught me very, very clearly how important it is to, to get to know how people are, get to know how people act and get to know that you, the first person you meet or the first person that you feel really super passionately about is not necessarily a person you should be with forever. Because that steadfast rule doesn't pertain to real life. It doesn't have anything to do with actually how real life works. So those are, um, yeah. I'm sorry, I haven't been looking at the chat because I was telling my tales. If you guys have any questions, um, feel free to let me know. I just used the wrong mouse. Um, I see we got a super chat here. It said audio is choppy, but that was from the last time. I want to say thank you to Sarah Ryherd, um, who actually became a member, which is super cool. Shout out to Burn Girl. All right, somebody had a really good comment there. Um, no, Serpent Zede is not here, by the way. He went home. Um, we are. I'm currently in the office, but he went to his house. Um, Burn Girl, if you guys want to see a properly crazy story, look up uh, Burn Girl, Lowry 6, B-U-R-N, Burn Girl. Um, Vivi actually forced me to make that video just to see if she could believe me about what happened that day. Uh, definitely a, a fun story. Um, let me know if you guys have any more questions. Can you explain the hair collecting and diary thing? If that's a thing, I would leave immediately. I have a feeling that's a joke. Um, 
But yeah, if somebody's collecting your hair and keeping a diary, then... Oh, wait a minute. That might have happened to me. Holy crap. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Matej Psilo says, Do you man and women can be in good friendship if they are willing to understand each other's differences? Uh, yes, I think so. More often than not, what I see is that um, a lot of people end up being in close contact with like male-female type situation and one person en ends up having feelings for each other. And I'm, I know I know there is ways around that, but more often than not, that's what happens. So yes, it's possible, but a lot of times it ends badly, if that makes sense. Uh, Super Chat. Jules Central, thank you very much, appreciate it. Any more stories, Lawai? Uh, oh, got plenty. Uh, let me think of, of one. There was a, it's difficult because, you know, like maybe some of these people are watching right now. But I like to, I like to think that I left on good terms with, with most, um, most people. Um, there was a, a girl in a country. Uh, either in China or Taiwan, because they're watching and they they don't want me to talk about them. Um, she was a sweetheart, absolute sweetheart. But this is kind of like when I was getting close to uh, deciding that me and Vivi were were good for each other. But she she was super sweet and super well educated, and she spoke amazing English. And what happened was she. I don't know, she just, she cared way too much at the beginning, if that makes sense. So we would go, I'd play a little trick and like, um, we would go out to like an amusement park or something. And I would like in my pocket, I would text her something and be like, hey, how's, how's the date or something like that? And then put it away. And then she'd be like, how did you do that? And I was like, yeah, magic or something, something bullshit like that. You know what I mean? And, uh, what would happen is <laughs> she would go on about it for like 10 freaking hours. Like that's the only thing she could do. No, seriously, how did you do that? That was so amazing. You're so impressive. Like I can't believe you can do that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know. For me, that was like, it was a little overbearing. And she would take like sneaky pictures of me when we were like going out on a date. And then she would post them on like public forums and stuff like really early into the relationship. I'm talking like like a week or two into the relationship. And it's kind of like, yo, that's not kosher. You know what I mean? And she would write these like massive, di almost diaries, like diary blog posts about this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like that didn't end super well. Her friend was calling me like, day and night being like no I, I urge you to reconsider you know if she really loves you blah 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 this kind of stuff um that's not a very interesting story but it was one of those things where like that, that actually it is a good story because like what you can see is like the warning signs in the beginning not saying that she had any ill intent but she wasn't emotionally ready to be in a situation where like we should get to know each other over a long period of time it was super public and she was like too excited about it right at the beginning and that's sweet and that's cute but not something that you should um, 
you should do right in the beginning if you want a very healthy understanding of each other. So, you know, that that's one that didn't end very well. I think that she she took it hard. Um, I think she's probably over it by now. Yeah, of course she is. Don't give myself too much credit. Uh, that being said, like, she definitely took it hard. And I still feel bad about it. That's why I, I remember that one. I feel really bad about that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, there's not much you can do about that. You know? Uh, this person, oh, another another super chat. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, this is, I, I probably shouldn't read this in Chinese to you. Uh, this basically says, I dated an international student in my city. Uh, maybe it was unrequited, but she was ghosted by me. I remember one night before the date, I went out buy flower, to buy flowers to tell her I loved her. But I didn't, I wasn't brave enough to tell her. Um, her classmates seemed to know about it. Is there any way I can be friends with them? It seems, well, yeah, Donald, I, I'm trying to think about how to tr translate this. My translation skills are, are not super good. How shang taman do zai fu yan wa? Um, okay. If you are in a scenario, I don't know if this, I, I can't believe I'm doing like relationship advice right now. Um, if you're in a scenario where you have lost your chance to tell you, tell someone how you feel and they're expecting it, but now you are taking on responsibilities like buying them gifts and like taking them out and stuff. And then all of that person's friends see you as like this sugar daddy type thing. You got it. You got to just drop it. Either either you lose face now and you tell them, "Listen, like I actually have tons of feelings for you. I just didn't have the balls to say it before." Or you just cut ties because there's no way that's going to end good. Like you will you will always within her her friend circle will always boost that persona of you to the 10th degree, trust me. The worst thing that can happen is like you are in this you're in a relationship with a girl and like she has a ton of super super close friends who now are looking at you as some sort of joke uh that's the hard truth uh but i would say like immediately just be like yo listen this is how i feel about you i i really like you take it or leave it i don't see any i don't see any like you're friends with her that's fine but like if you care more about the relationship being romantically involved with her then that's that's what matters. If you're not interested in being romantically involved with her anymore and you just want to um, be friends, then you just got to be like, listen, I'm not going to take care of this stuff anymore. We're just friends. It's split down the middle. You know, this is how this how this ended up. That's that's my my advice. Um, next. Sorry, I got to catch up with this. Thank you, Jesse, for moderating. Uh, M. Gray. Are there any are there many lesbians in China? Um. You know where I saw a lot of public, public lesbianism was in um, Macau and in Hong Kong. Uh, what happens is, this is not, and by the way, this is not how it happens. This is not how lesbians come, come to be. But in, uh, there's girls and boys only schools, right? So what happened was when there was publicly outed, like publicly out lesbian couples coming out of these schools, because of course there's going to be like a certain percentage of people that that are in fact homosexual. It became like a, a it wasn't like frowned upon culturally. 
And then it became like a thing that more and more people were confident in coming out. So yeah, like for sure. In fact, I would say being gay and lesbian, even in mainland China is not super, it's not dangerous. You're not going to get beat up on the street, but it is demonized like culturally. But there's always excuses around it. It's the way like indirect Chinese culture works. So if I came out as gay, to my, if I was Chinese and I came out as gay to my parents, what would happen is that they would go around and they would be like, listen, oh, he just hasn't found a wife yet. They would never be like, my son's gay. They're not going to beat me up for it. They're not going to kill me for it. They might be really disappointed. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're not going to just go around and be like, yeah, listen, my son's gay. I'm proud of it. Or my son's a piece of shit. He's gay, right? Uh, that's kind of how it, how it works, more or less. But culturally, I'd say lesbianism is much more readily accepted within Chinese culture because they just think, they prefer to see it like, oh, the girls are really close. Typically in China, girls are really close. They'll hold hands. They'll be really affectionate with each other and stuff. So it's not really out of the norm per se, like to see that socially. So I guess like society accepts it a little more readily, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think every, <laughs> I think probably every country has the same amount of lesbians or gays, but, um, you know, whether they can actually come out and do it, I'd say lesbians have an easier time in China than gay males do, if that makes sense. Um, I get a lot of stories of my gay friends in China. It's, it's both heartbreaking and funny. Some of them are, are both. Uh, next one. What does Vivi think about Hong Kong protests? Do you hear about the Wenlo protests in China? Wenlo. Low. Oh, it is low. Ever meet a Chinese pro protester chick? Uh, I did, actually. We went to a, a protest that had both mainlanders and Hong Kong students in near LA. And there was a bunch of Hong Kong chick protesters. And yeah, they were cool. They were super motivated and, and driven and believed in their message. And I thought that was really nice and inspirational. Uh, Vivi thinks that uh, the Hong Kong protests are incredibly sad. She feels a lot of solidarity with the Hong Kong people. She's young. She speaks Cantonese. She's consumed free media and not been living in the bubble of, of mainland China her entire life. And she has a brain on her shoulders. So she understands what the what life looks like under a severe, horrible dictatorship where everyone is incredibly brainwashed and that doesn't look good to her. So yeah, she's definitely on the side of Hong Kong. I did hear about the protests. They were gonna build a, a crematorium in this uh, town and I actually know where that is. I just remembered, you know, cause I've been reading that Wenlo in, in uh, English and Pinyin and I forgot, I know the characters, like I know exactly where that is. That's about 60 miles if for reference, about 60 miles away from the border of Hong Kong. Anyway, but it's in mainland China. Um, it's not too far away from where I lived. And what happened was they, the government promised some sort of infrastructure project, but in fact, they built a uh, crematorium, like a massive crematorium there to burn dead bodies while they were going to. And the protesters went, hey, they're like shooting fireworks at the cops and stuff. And they clamped down with the utmost severity. And... The funny thing is, is that this is so common. Like, people keep telling me about this stuff. Did you hear about the protests in mainland China? Is this like a new thing? Dude, there are so many protests in mainland China. It is not a rare thing. 
just because it's an authoritarian dictatorship where like freedom of speech is quashed and people get tortured and murdered and like disappeared for having dissenting opinions does not mean it doesn't happen. It happens so much to the point where I, I don't, I think it was like 2014, they stopped tallying how many protests there were per year because there's hundreds of thousands of them, um, usually over territory and building disputes. So the government will say, we need to reclaim this land. Nobody can own land, but they still work on that land. And they're like, well, whatever, we're going to take it anyway. Obviously, villagers fight back, get pissed off. This happens a lot, so much. Or they're going to put some really polluting factory and all the kids' hair is falling out and babies are getting cancer and stuff. The town's protests. It happens so much more than you think. It's just that these videos and this information gets shared around on Chinese internet for a little bit of time. And then when the government thinks it's too scary to like spread a, let let to be spread around, they'll like quash it. They'll completely wipe it off the internet. So you guys don't hear about it. This obviously something leaked and I think it was the severity of the whole Hong Kong protest thing. The fact that it's fresh in people's minds and the fact that people have phones and are, are sending videos of the Guang, these one low protests in Guangdong, they're sending videos of that stuff. Um, and it got into the right hands. And I think it was marketable enough for a Western audience for people to talk about, but it is not out of the ordinary. It's not even the most brutal. There's been severe uprisings, even especially in Guangdong in the province I lived in for some reason. Um, but yeah, uh, somebody asked, uh, is Vivi's, uh, Kinsley Koo asked, is Vivi's cousins in Hong Kong a-okay? Yes, she's okay. Um, she's not happy about what's going on right now. Bags, bags. What do you say, bags? I want to move to, oh, sorry, I needed some water. Uh -oh. I have about uh, eight more minutes for questions, guys, if you have any more. I want to move to Taiwan in a few months, but I've been dating a girl at home for four years and she can't slash doesn't want to move. Um, okay, I'm only 21. And that is the only serious relationship I've been in. What do? I feel you so hard, but at the same time, I'm I'm too old to take that age seriously enough. So I'm going to put age out of this whole perspective. And that's my fault. I'm taking the blame. And thank you for the donation, by the way. Um, I find this very hard to answer, honestly, because I was in a very similar situation. <laughs> uh, if you guys have watched my video, it's called like the real reason I ran away from America. I was also in a very serious relationship and about uh, a year older than you. Um, and I was going to move to Taiwan. <laughs> I was actually engaged. Um, and it was a tumultuous thing and it was an emotional thing. And I, I don't even like to think about it, but that's why I needed to put it out there. I wanted to be fair to everyone um, and to her and to everyone out there that needed to know the story. But um, I mean, you want to move. And I, I don't want to say that long distance is going to work out because it usually doesn't. And then I'm a hypocrite for saying that because me and Vivi worked out. We ended up married with two kids and super happy. Um, Honestly, like it, you have to weigh what's more important, right? Like if you feel trapped in your situation, you really want to go to Taiwan and you're super excited to do so, then 
you can try your best with that relationship. You can try to stay in contact. You can try to do daily phone calls and, you know, actually have that kind of person to talk to back home about what's going on, which is, is nice. Um, but there's going to be a situation where you'll probably meet someone. If you're that far away for that, you know, I, I'm assuming for at least a year, um, you're going to end up meeting someone. And to break it to that person who's probably going to hold on, and this is from personal experience, probably going to hold on um, while you're away is, is not fair. If I could go back, I would have cut ties much earlier and been like, yo, I'm totally rocky on this situation. It's more mature if I like cut ties now and I'm honest to your face about this. Um, and that's what I did at the last minute. But like, I, if I could go back and do it earlier, it would make much more. You've got your like super chat got me like super deep and introspective right now. Um, digging up the old past. <laughs> uh, I honestly, I would, I would be like, ask yourself, do you, do you want to go to Taiwan more than you want to be with that person? Because you have to think about it in worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is that you go there and everything's over and you meet someone else or you do whatever you're going to do in Taiwan. Because if it's more comfortable and you're happier in your current situation without going to Taiwan, I, I would literally plan for the worst case scenario and be honest with that person and be like, I'm probably not going to end up with you. Um, obviously, I don't know your personal situation, but like it rings too, too true to home. I wish I could go back and just be so much more upfront about the misgivings that I had in the beginning. Because I know really like the promises you can make to yourself and to people around you are not necessarily the things that actually work out in real life, if that makes sense. Um, anyway, good luck, like seriously. I'm not joking. Uh, next, oh crap, I'm sorry. This stupid snap thing. Um, okay, sorry, I'm gonna catch up. I just need to, to pour some Pellegrino. <laughs> we, don't, we don't drink this expensive crap, by the way. Uh, Vivi went to Costco and um, Sorry, I'm gonna blow my nose and it's gonna be really gross. Ah. Okay. Um, Vivi went to Costco and they were like giving giving them away basically. So now we're drinking like this Ponzi posh ass bullshit bubbly water that tastes like Drano. Okay, next. Sorry, I'm just trying to catch up here. Uh, David C., is there anything worse in America that you miss about China? Um... <laughs> yeah, I think like, the problem is, this is such a tricky question. The reason I say that is because there are so many amazing things that were on the up and up uh, for the first like seven, eight years. No, for the first like six, seven years uh, that I could definitely say were positives. It was just, and this is not like a whole like, oh, it's so exotic. I could do whatever I want. There's no rules. But that kind of like lax attitude was a really nice thing because like nobody had a chip on their Nobody had a chip on their shoulder. It was like a really positive vibe everywhere. Before like politics and like nationalism went into play, 
I never liked this whole foreign worship thing. That's why I made the whole white monkey job, you know, expose hilarious parody video, which ended up blowing up, by the way. I was pretty happy about that. Um, but I make videos, I made videos like that because I actually resent that kind of treatment. I think if you show up in a country and then people just admire you and think you're amazing just because you're from somewhere else, it's a little cringy and it's, it makes me a little uncomfortable. That being said, the first story I told today, you know, completely goes against that. But that was just such a new experience for me. It's like, holy crap, you know, everyone expects me to do something and getting so much attention right at once. Um, but that wears off and you don't like that anymore. I feel like if you're a well-adjusted person, you shouldn't admire the fact that you're exotic and special just because you're you're not from China or whatever country. But anyway, um, that all wears off. And I, I, to sum it up, like in... In those first beginning years, I feel like just amongst my Chinese friends, like everything was super positive. Like even if they didn't have that much money, they knew that tomorrow was going to be better and better and better. So that just kind of, that's the way businesses work. That's the way human interaction work. That's the way your classes work. That's the way your your own little startups work. Like everyone was just relishing in the fact that there was money falling from the sky and everything's going to be better and welcome everyone from every country around the world. It was very laissez-faire. Uh, so at that time, yeah, like I feel like everyone, there was no PC culture. There was no hyped, like crazy triggered culture about like, you're going to, you have to tiptoe around every subject and you're going to make someone mad or upset. Um, stuff I really resent about the West right now. I don't want to offend anyone, but it's just so easy to do so now, even when you're making an honest mistake. Uh, I hope that's on a, a different swing. Like that's a, a whole period of America that I missed, by the way. I left when when it was not really a thing. Like you could kind of say whatever you want. And then I came back where it's a totally different picture now. And I have to like be really careful, especially in social media. Like I don't have any strong opinions about alternative anything, but it's so easy to piss someone off. And that was something I missed was because like in China at the time, you couldn't really piss anyone off, honestly. Like, people were pretty open to talk about whatever they want. you wanted to talk to them about. It was pretty awesome. Um, and things closed down and clamped down, and then all of a sudden it's you versus me, us versus them. And I'm not talking about old Chinese people, but, like, it became a very, like, you're walking on eggshells type feeling. So that's when things kind of changed for me. So, no, in current China, I'd say there's not a whole lot that I miss uh, in America from China currently i guess like the ease of i don't know to be fair though i could just get in my car and drive wherever i want to go but like i guess i miss being able to see new places i saw pretty much all you can see over 10 years like i've seen a lot but i know that there's other little places i could have gone to uh so the fact that i could have hopped on like a random slow train and made a bunch of friends and like shared a drink but that that sort of attitude is just not so much so common now like towards the end like when i got on a slow one of those like cheap trains or whatever and like i'm sharing a drink with somebody and we're getting along eventually the conversation turns dark and unless you keep biting your tongue over and over again saying no my country is bad no america is bad like i love china more and then they're like oh yeah that's what i want to hear then Unless you, you keep, unless you keep doing that, you're, you'll go crazy, honestly, if you keep doing that. Because, um, you know, like your identity is, you, no one's going to call you Chinese. No one's going to, the, the closest thing that people are going to call you is like a China hand. Oh, you know China so well. 
Um, but at the end of the day, like if no one's gonna accept you as like one of them, they always have to bring up differences. Look at your, look at this, look at this. This is what's different about you. This is what's different about us. You don't like this, we like this. Uh, we don't like this, you like this. And they're like, no, actually I like that about China. And they're like, no, you don't because you're a foreigner. That kind of barrier really uh, started springing up towards the end. Um, and that's all they wanted to talk about was the differences and the animosity and things like that. And that's, you know, the, the majority of casual interactions always had politics or some weird stuff involved about how, you know, the rest of the world's hating on China and how it's going to be the detriment of China if it ever falls and all this kind of crap. And this is just not what I was interested in. I was interested in the adventure and the friends and the fun and the, the food and everything that I, that I had. Um, the positivity. It was such a positive place to be. And I miss that. So I'll answer your question with yes, I miss a lot and I miss it from when things were just so awesome, like so positive and everyone was getting along and it was awesome. Um, Rodolfo Tonelli, thank you very much. Uh, you didn't post a question, but I appreciate it. Comrade General, did you meet Vivi while playing Final Fantasy <laughs> Nine? I like your uh, I like your sense of humor. I love Final Fantasy Nine, by the way. Little side note, and I don't want to get too off track here. But um, Final Fantasy VIII is my favorite uh, game of all time. I'm not a huge gamer per se, but uh, I used to play a lot of games when I was when I was younger, and I still play them occasionally. Uh, I'll show you how far off the mark I am. The last game I played was Detroit Become Human. And that came out a while ago, uh, and I played it recently. Uh, but I do like I do like games. I do like video games. Um, and my favorite game of all time is Final Fantasy VIII. When Final Fantasy IX came out, uh, it brought out these chibi little like cute anime type characters, and I hated it so much. I resented it with all my heart. Uh, but playing it as an adult, I played it in China uh, a couple years ago on an emulator. And I loved it. I was like, actually, this game's freaking awesome. So yes, I met her while playing Final Fantasy IX. Actually, I met her in a supermarket. I've already told that story. Seggy Bones. Thank you very much, Seggy Bones. Um, next. The Vampire Knight. Sorry, my Chinese sucks. I meant she ghosted me. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. No worries, no worries. Um... I had a feeling that you weren't Chinese <laughs> when you were typing that, but that was actually pretty good. That was not bad. Um, she ghosted you. So, okay, now I'm remembering remembering your story. Um, yo, if she ghosted you, bro, I wouldn't... You got to be super direct at that point. This is... Whenever I was in a scenario where, like, I was too shy to do something, I always just pushed myself to do it because at the end of the day, your intuition of, like... No, in this moment, I got this. I'm just going to be super direct with someone. That usually works out, to be honest. I'm not saying she's going to like start talking to you again, but it's better to be. It's better to be way up front. I'm dead serious. Like, because if somebody can't handle it and they're too, they're too like, I don't know what the correct word is. I'm tiptoeing right now. If they're too, <laughs> if they're too not gutsy enough to take your word for it. Um, if they don't, if they don't want to like accept how how you actually feel in that moment, then screw them, straight up. Um, I think some people have been going back during my live stream and watching the Burn Girl video. 
because I got a lot of comments about that. And that's hilarious. Um, sorry. Somebody asked me why no charger hat. Uh, the reason being is that actually it goes through and you can see the green screen behind it. And then I realized this one does the exact same thing. Um, I love the chargers, but dad is failing me right now. Dad is um, Philip Rivers, the, uh, the quarterback. He is failing us. He's failing us. He's failing us so hard. But I love dad. And dad is awesome. And he's still the best quarterback in my mind. And this week... Um, the game against the Titans is actually on his birthday, so I wish Dad the best of luck, and please don't throw any more interceptions or I'm going to cry in a hole because we've already had the worst season ever. And I don't like being in L.A. as a Chargers fan when everyone else is wearing Rams hats and we have such a poor record because it's embarrassing. And it's gotten to a point now where Winston is actually wearing a Raiders hat, and I want to kill myself. Um, <clears throat> Jewel Central, generally speaking, which region of China has the easiest people to date? That's interesting. Uh, for casual dating, it's not a region per se. I would say you gotta be in metropolitan areas. Like, if you're in Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou, not so much Shenzhen. Guangzhou, Shanghai, Beijing. Those metropolitan areas are gonna have the most open-minded, forward-thinking people to, like, get to know someone um stay away from like the real rule like like recently relocated migrant worker types like not not like factory workers i'm talking about like people that just moved in from a different place uh, they're gonna have a different mindset traditional mindset um that being said like even in some of the bigger cities like harbin dalian Qingdao, you're gonna find very forward thinking people um so not so much a region of china not north, south, east, west. It has nothing to do with that. It's more like, is this place highly educated? Does it have money? And does it have forward-thinking, progressive people? And that's going to be the easiest place to date in terms of like, not easiest, but easiest to get along with someone like on your on the same level without all these preconceived notions about there's no actual romance, there's no love. It's just about finding a relationship to get married, settle down, and have kids. Does that make sense? Thank you very much. Um, Ariel Han, that Re California Republic hat is gold. I actually, it's filthy, and I can only see that on camera. It's so cheap and garbage, and um, I bought it for like $2 or something in Mexico, of all places. Um, we popped over, and I bought it. It was like on a rack for like 2 bucks, and I was like, dude, I'm getting sunburnt. And this is the perfect hat to do it. And it's actually sunburning the hat at this point. Um, but actually, I kind of like it. I think California is awesome, by the way, having a great time. Uh, people keep making fun of me or, like, criticizing the state. Yes! California's got its faults. It's a weird place. But it's also a place full of awesome people. Like, there's, you can meet everyone from everywhere. This, the number one criticism I get is, like, everyone's so, like, triggered and sensitive and blah, blah. And look at, like, what kind of things they're teaching their kids and all this kind of stuff. You know, the people I meet are from all walks of life. And it's such a melting pot. It's awesome. I've met so many people with similar hobbies to me, people that I don't get along with, people I do get along with. It's really, really cool. And I'm actually loving it. It's a place for, like, very different stuff. And it's awesome. Uh, Biskin. 
I'm not interested in, basically what I'm saying is I'm not interested in living in a place where everyone's exactly the same as me. Biskin, underscore. Uh, thinking about moving to Taiwan mid-next year to do the Chinese language scholarship study thing. Is Taiwan all good for people my age, early 20s? Bro, if you have to ask that, trust me on this. Taiwan is like literally one of the best places in the entire world. Um, I said bro, and I'm immediately regretting that. What if it's a what if it's a girl? I'm so sorry. Uh, Biskin underscore. Taiwan is so cool. It is literally full of people that are so forward thinking and like they understand that there's another country out there. It's not just the Middle Kingdom. There's other countries in the world. They understand and have traveled to them. Um, they are not. This is my favorite thing. Everyone keeps talking about how nice Taiwanese people they are. And I always chide that too. I'm like, Taiwanese people will help you if they break down. You hear this story all the time. My car broke down. My bike broke down in Taiwan when I was traveling. And everyone helped me out. Didn't happen to me in mainland China. Absolute truth. No one is going to help you in China. You might get lucky. Meet that person. They'll, they'll end up being your friend because they were so hospitable and nice. But in Taiwan, it happened 100% of the time. Everyone's super, super, super nice in Taiwan. Now, my favorite thing about Taiwan as a Chinese speaker was going to Taiwan and for the first time, people are not getting frustrated or pretending not to understand me. You know that douchebag you meet in America that is, he's trying to talk to someone that English isn't their first language, but they're speaking pretty good English. And he's like, I don't understand, speak English. When you, you know you hear that stereotype of that douchey American? That happens all the time in China. So like, at first they'll be like, oh, you say one word in Chinese and they're like, oh, your Chinese is so good. And then eventually they're like, oh, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. You can be fluent. Like, I'm not even joking. This used to happen to me. I got in a taxi, like, uh, let's say the last you know, week I was in China. I'm in a taxi and I'm with my wife and I tell them where to go and I'm talking to him and stuff. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, I don't understand you. And my wife's like, what? And then she says the exact same thing, exact same thing in the same accent, everything. Then he understands. Or I go into a restaurant and I could literally talk to this woman about physics if I wanted to. And I say, I'd like to order this and this and this, you know, ask, maybe ask some questions about the dishes, you know, make sure there's no sugar added to it, whatever. She immediately turns away from me and turns to my wife and is like, I, what can you tell me? And my wife would defend me and be like, you didn't understand what he said? Are you kidding me? If he, if he looked Chinese, you would, you would understand everything he just said. There's this immediate, like, F you, I'm not going to pay attention to you attitude that a lot of people have in mainland China, um, unfortunately. And it's sad because, like, the dumber you are at Chinese, I'm not saying dumb, like, as a person, but the dumber you are at Chinese the better time you're gonna have in mainland China because like no one expects you to speak it. No one expects you to integrate or try to talk about anything meaningful because you're just the dumb, hairy foreigner from the outside. So the more you learn and the more deep you get into it and actually try to fit in and meld in, you just don't wanna be pointed at or like whatever anymore. You just wanna like kind of talk to people and like live a normal life. The more that happens, honestly, the more you're going to be disappointed because like people will literally shut down and be like, no, that's, that's a foreigner. They don't, they don't know us. Now to go back to your question, Biskin underscore. My favorite thing about Taiwan, no joke, is that no one is condescending about that. If you speak fluent Chinese like me or my friends, when you go to Taiwan, 
everyone will speak Chinese to you. Even if you speak a low level of Chinese, people will still speak Chinese to you because they understand that you're making an effort. They're not trying to condescend you. They're not going to shut you down. They're going to be patient and they're going to be like, okay. And that's what I noticed. Like I was in Taipei not that long ago or in Taiwan, sorry. I'm in Taiwan not that long ago. And it's weird. Like when I go to Shanghai or something, like people use really crap garbage English to try to talk to me immediately because they assume I don't speak Chinese. But in Taiwan, as soon as I opened my mouth in Chinese, it was Chinese all night. One of the best memories I had in my last trip was we were in a hotel bar in Taipei and everyone spoke fluent, like perfect, almost no accent English. The bartenders and people working there, I think they were like college students or something. Their ex their English was amazing. They've all been abroad, you know, they're smart. And as soon as I opened my mouth up in Chinese, they were surprised, but they, I think we talked for like three hours about everything and they were mostly interested in like the difference between mainland they had uh, a few of them hadn't been to mainland china uh, so we're, me and vivi were just having a great time talking about different like you know pregnancy traditions and chinese medicine stuff and they were just so like flabbergasted at our experience but not once in that conversation did someone say oh your chinese is really good and then so where'd you learn it how long do you live there blah, blah blah no it was just literally like human beings talking to each other in no joke, I want to drive this home. That is the most important thing that's ever happened to me. Is when I went to Taiwan, you know, the a billion times I lived there for a year, but like the, the billion times I've been there since. Every time I go, I get treated like a human being in Chinese. And that proves to me that Chinese people are good. Because they speak Chinese, they're Chinese ethnic, ethnically Chinese people, but there is no chip on their shoulder, and I can talk like a normal human being to everyone. There's no weird realm of politics and crap conversations that come out of it. There's no misconceptions. There's no bullshit brainwashing propaganda. When I talk to people, they're normal people, and I can speak Chinese, which I have done for the past 10 years, and it feels freaking awesome. It's awesome. Go to Taiwan, Biskin underscore. You're going to have a great time. doesn't matter what age you are. Robotron. 0057. My ex is from Chengdu. She told me her job in China was National Park Tour Guide for the government in 2001. Her job was also drink and have dinner with officials after tour. Was my ex <laughs> basically a KTV girl? Yes. I apologize. Um, I was trying to find a, like a really eloquent, nice way to say that, but absolutely. Yes, she was. She was a KTV girl. And guess what? It's not her fault. You know, maybe she was, maybe she moved to a new place. Maybe she moved to the big city in Chengdu and, um, you know, she needed a, a way to make a living, you know? Sorry. Thank you. I just hope that wasn't bad news. Um, okay. Holy crap, there's so many. Oh, there's lots of Fs in the chat. And honestly, drop the F in the chat because that shows solidarity. Uh, I apologize, dude. Like, But it's such an unfortunate position and there's so many stories I want to to tell about things that I've seen with government officials like in KT, KTVs and stuff, it's insane. 
um, honestly, I would never blame anyone that got pushed into a position like that because there's there's little to no way out. It's basic slavery um, in some of these positions, and I apologize. So F in the chat uh, for this bro with a KTV girlfriend. Um, at least she's ex, and I hope she's moved on to better pastures, but um, yeah. I hope she was honest with you about what was happening. Okay, cool. You just wanted the truth. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for everyone, I hope you don't mind me explaining this, but KTV is karaoke. Karaoke parlors in China and mainland China are places where you go with a big TV screen and you sing songs. There's usually alcohol involved, but oftentimes it's either meetings with people that want to do drugs, like ketamine and stuff together, or it's, you know, families and stuff getting together, singing some songs together, or it's prostitution. And KTV girls, what will happen is when you go to a lot of KTVs, if it's only men, what will happen is even like really classy joints, uh, even in like really five-star hotels, even in Western-owned hotels, by the way, you'll go into this KTV, this karaoke parlor. Let's pretend it's this room, right? You guys are looking at a freaking scene of the forest and some buildings. It doesn't work. Uh, but anyway, you go into this room. Let's pretend like there's a bunch of chairs uh, or sorry, a couch and you're singing songs together and they'll tell girls to come into your room and they'll line up and they're all wearing like some sort of skimpy outfit or whatever. Um, and they'll ask you to, to choose a companion for the night. So there's like a certain agreed upon fee for like a companion. And what happens is like they'll sing with you, they'll pour your drinks, they'll drink together with you. And that's like a, it's like a tradition. Um, but more often than not, it leads to something else, right? And there's a whole... There's a whole different scene for that. But like if you're a KTV girl, then you're definitely, there's no like, <laughs> there's no middle ground. Like if you're a KTV girl, it doesn't matter what you did that night. Like you're involved in other things, um, maybe against your will. And it's, it sucks. But if you're take, if you're going out with government officials for drinks, then yes, that is absolutely what's happening. So F's in the chat. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think this has gone on. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I missed one. David C. Uh, are you doing cardio or anything in the gym? If so, what? Um, I do weights. I do bench. Uh, I do triceps, biceps, uh, shoulders, uh, you know, pecs, pull-ups, chin-ups, uh, and some push-ups. That's about it. Um, I don't do any hard cardio, but I do go on like a couple kilometer walks every day with, with my family. That's what I do. <laughs> but thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Um, anyway, F's in the chat for the dude. Uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed this. What's going to happen is um, I'm going to upload this. If you guys were a part of this whole thing, uh, I really appreciate you guys actually sitting through all this stuff. And I hope you got your questions answered. If I didn't get to them, I, I apologize. Um, what I'm going to do is... Oh, son of a horse. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to uh, take this video down. But I'm going to cut out the part where I talk about the stories and then put that up. Uh, so if you guys were here, it's super cool. But what we're going to do is we're going to open up a new little channel where we take every Q&A that we did. And then everyone can watch um, all the Q and A's that they that we cut out of these uh, videos. So 
I think that's probably the best thing. If somebody asks me if I'm chewing tobacco again, I will literally cry, okay? I'm not chewing tobacco. Um, it's just the way my cheeks were formed. Best of luck, John Lewis. Thank you very much. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I wanna say thank you very much, Allow Winners. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I had a great time. Thank you, and I'll catch you on the next one. I'm not wearing pants.